Welcome to another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. And we have with us one returning guest and another very special guest. We've got returning with us, of course, executive producer of this podcast, my man Danny Cooksey from Salute Your Shorts, Different Strokes, Terminator 2, Hey Arnold, Tiny Tunes, etc. And we've got joining us today, my good friend, Hollywood actor Adam Shashelsky, who y'all may have seen in Flight with Denzel Washington and many more. Thank you for joining us today, Adam. Uh, my pleasure, man. I appreciate the invite. Oh, yeah. The pleasure's all ours. So, yeah, um, you grew up primarily in, like, the 80s, right? So you, you caught a lot of Danny's work growing up, right? Absolutely. I mean, who couldn't forget Terminator 2? Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I was born in 79, grew up through the 80s. So every show that you mentioned, I do remember. And then once you told me who Danny was, and I went back and checked out IMDb, I actually remember certain episodes that he was in. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, Danny, um, Adam's got his own IMDb page as well. That's my wheelhouse, born in 79. I mean, there you go. <laughs> hey, there was nobody like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when you were just barely an 80s baby. That's when you can't tell if you were like an 80s or 90s child. I'll take credit for both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it got progressively better. The clothes got progressively better. It was yeah, and now it's all recycling all over again. I know. <laughs> you got the belly button shorts are coming out from the eighties again. You got the bright neon colors coming out again. It's fine. And and it, you know it didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. <laughs> the only thing they did was they made the cheeks go shorter on the shorts. Yeah. But, but I agree. Hey, I, I remember I missed you know skids and IOU and bum equipment. Oh, yeah. Uh, town and Country Surf Company. Yep, yep. TNT Surf Designs, for sure. That was the best name ever. <laughs> was IOU, that was a clothing brand? Yeah, man. That's, see, I, we, I just dated us. Yeah, that was a clothing brand, one of the top sweatshirts that you could buy, you know, for about, I'd say, three, four years. So everybody in middle school and high school, they all wanted to have it, had to have it. And, you know, if you didn't come from a rich family, your parents are like, too bad, you're going to get Bobo sweatshirts or hand-me-downs. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad I now don't feel that old anymore. For the last several years, I've felt like an old man. I can't believe I'm, I'm 37. I feel ancient. Well, I wish I was 37 again. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> sounds really nice. These days. Right? I mean, five, shoot, give me five years to redo it. Yeah, I, I know exactly where I would be. But it's all good, Danny. <laughs> so, Adam, at what age did you know that you wanted to be an actor? What age did you know that um, she wanted showbiz to be like your life? Um, the moment I saw Star Wars. Yeah. So I was probably, but first time I saw it in theaters. So I got to see, I was old enough to see the first two, but I was old enough and remember enough that I saw Return of the Jedi in movie theaters. And after that moment, I knew that I want to do something like this. I want to do what these people are doing on the big screen. Awesome. So yeah, um, 
aside from flight you were also in didn't you have you were jason statham's stunt double right for fast and furious 7 correct they brought me in for utility stunts and i was statham's backup double and that was all happening right around the same time that was a good that was a hot time in my career um between i'd say 2009 through 2016 it was just like one after the other um, and I was fortunate enough, yeah, to uh, come in on as Statham's backup double. Once I saw Fast and the Furious 6, I knew that he was going to be in the next one. And at that time, I was in the right circle. So I got with one of his trainers. I got on the regimen, his diet, and trained my butt off for four or five months. And then when time came, I submitted in. And luckily enough, because I had the stunt background, I was brought in for stunts and to be his backup double. That's awesome. What any what was the like uh, crazy shit that you had to do uh, for anything in general? Or, or that particular one, but yeah, or anything in general. Uh, for that one, it's just a lot of shooting, um, a lot of taking bullet hits. Uh, there's a couple scenes in there where we're dealing with explosions, so they would set us up to what's called a dead man ratchet. Is pretty much a wire that when you're running, for those who don't know. When you see people running full speed and they get, say, shot in the head and they slam back real fast, put a dead man ratchet. So yeah. we were set up on one of those, but they had a, a bungee hook to the end of it. So right at the moment when the explosion hits, you know that you have that one final step of stretch and it doesn't slam you down, it launches you back. Right. So that was pretty gnarly with the explosions going off uh, on a huge set. Everybody was there that day. Kurt Russell was there. Paul Walker was there. Had some good conversations with Paul. Uh, then Diesel was there, uh, Tony Ja, everybody was on set that day. So that was that was that was a pretty good time. Yeah, those it's it's when there's a huge setup, it's there's there's nothing quite quite like uh, like like a situation. I, I I happen to be I happen to be on set some of the days they had some big setups on Terminator. No, I wasn't in any of the major setups, but happened to be there on those days, and it was. Uh, it's, it's pretty wild to see. It's, it's a lot of setup, but then it's like you just feel the tension going like, all right, here we go. You know, yep. I'll, I'll take work. Where it's a go? It's like it's like launching a space shuttle. You know, it, it, this is the countdown. We'll see how this works out. 100%. And the moment they say action, it's like your mind just switches to work mode. But, you know, when people say, you know, is it intense? They're like, you know, well, think about it. You mess up at your job, what? You know, they fire you, they reprimand you, but... And that split second when you're, you know, you're, you're seeing your moment is happening with a giant special effects, $2 million a day. The yeah. action seems it's a little bit different. Yeah. But oh, the, one that, the one thing that connects us, Danny, is uh, Arnold's stunt double was my stunt coordinator for Best of Years, Joel Kramer. Oh, okay. So that could, that's, that's like one of those, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like we're actually right. yeah, yeah. through Joel Kramer. That's funny. If they, there's those, I, 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 like that whole world is just, I mean, it's just, it, it, the whole stunt thing is just, it's so wild. I mean, just the, the fearlessness and, and the like preparation and everything. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. That's true. Um, I tell people, you know, I, I started off, I wanted to be an actor, you know, I went to the top acting schools in New York, Jersey and. The way that it happened, stunts fell on my lap. It was accidental. It wasn't something that I had planned. You know, I had that Hollywood dream like everybody else, but growing up in South Jersey, you know, that was a dream. 
But when the time came and I made a run for it, stunts literally, you know, fell on my lap. And because of stunts, I mean, we all know being who those of us in the business that your main goal is to get into the union, get into SAG. Right. Well, for like six years, I was trying to get into SAG and it was a stunt job that got me tapped into the business. And then once I saw that paycheck for that one day, I was like, oh, I can do this. Right. So I transitioned. I took that transition into stunt actor. So a lot of the stuff that I've done is based upon when it comes to my dialogue roles. It's the fact that, no, call Adam. He can do dialogue and he does his own stunts. Right. That's one. What was the, uh, what's the, what's the, now, just that movie, like just in general, what is, what is the, what is the thing that, that you were asked to do that you kind of went, hmm, really? <laughs> like, um, or, or is there ever? Well, there, it wasn't necessarily there, there'd be a no ever, but there is that, that in the back of your mind, like, what am I doing? Um, it, it seems a little fun. This seems fucking crazy. It's, I guess it would have to be, you know, I've done quite a few different things. You know, some high falls get to you at a certain point, but when it comes down to it, and, I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like a major high fall person. You know, the, the highest I've ever jumped really is 50 feet. Because um, in my opinion, unless you're going to pay a lot more, you can hire a specialist who does that. If not, we have CGI. Right. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, it was always it was when you got to be on fire. And you. Yeah. And that was the that ironic thing is, suck. go ahead. I'm sorry. I said that seems like it would suck. It does, but not for the reason that you think. The biggest fear that I always had was to shoot. How, many, how do they do it? You know, you're on fire. So once you understand the way the process works. Um, and nine times out of ten, you don't always have a fire suit on, but you have layers. Yeah. So these layers have been soaking in an ice-cold, sitting-in-the-fridge gel. Yeah. And then you're putting that on, and then you're putting it on over your face and your skin, and then you're putting on the wardrobe that they want you to wear to burn. So in all essentially, essentially you are freezing until the time you yell action. <laughs> Please light me on fire. Yes, it's like, hurry up, because the moment they yell action, then everything goes to the scene, so you forget about the cold, and then when you feel a warm spot, that's when you drop, that's when they put you out, and they tell you, all right, where do you, where do you feel it? Well, I feel it here and here, and they just smack, uh, smack some more gel on you, put some more fluid on you, let you up, do it again. Ah. Um, but then again, that also comes to interpretation, because I get that ass all the time. What's the craziest thing you've done? Well, define your limit of crazy, and I'll tell you if I've done it or not. Yeah, well, like you could say, the preparation, you know, it's something that we practice and we train for over and over and over that if a director asks us to do it 100 times, yes, we can do it 100 times precision. So it's not like, I, I explain to people, it's not like, you know, daredevils or evil Knievel, where you're just going to go for it. Now, this is training every day, repetition every day, so it becomes essentially muscle memory. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, the, 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 stunt coordinator and i mean this they it's they've worked through the thing so many times it's like clockwork absolutely 100 percent. and you listen to the coordinator and then if the coordinator hires the fight choreographer well you have to fight choreographer because that's what that guy specializes in you listen to the fight choreographer yeah it's 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 not it's there you're not exactly winging it out there exactly that's that's, God, that's, right? that's the money that's the money the money the money name right there we're not winging it and yeah. you, you also did work on the movie Miami Vice right back in 2006. That is it. That is that is it. That is true. That is the one that got me into the union. Oh, nice. uh, funny, funny story about that was I was at my agent's office in Miami, and I moved from South Jersey to Florida in 2000. If 
I would have known then what I know now, I would have been in New York or went to LA, but I went to Florida. And I was in my agent's office. By this time, it was 2004, 2005. Um, and they were casting for Miami Vice. So they went down, the assistant to my agent went down and was coming back and said, oh, I was just at the casting office and I just put you in to be Colin Farrell's stand-in. And for people who don't know what a stand-in is, that's pretty much the person who makes a little bit more than the extras. They stand there, they set up the lights, the cameras, that person steps out and then the actor steps in. So the decline was that my hair wasn't long enough. Well, in my headshot, it wasn't, but my hair was down on my shoulders. Yeah, that's so when you had a ponytail. Yeah, and then I actually grew that back, believe it or not, after Fast and Furious, and now I took it off again. Um, but yeah, so they wound up telling me that, nope, you're denied because of your hair. So I went down to the office just to show the casting director, hey, look, this is me. This is my hair. I know so-and-so was just here. I just wanted to show you. And he said, you came all the way down. Like, where did you come from? I said, I drove about an hour. Did you drove an hour just to prove that? I'm like, yes. So maybe it was the drive determination because, hey, when you're starting off or you're trying to make it, you're hungry, right? So you're looking for any way to, how can I get noticed? So this casting director noticed me and offered me a job working in casting. And I took it, absolutely. So I got to meet everybody, got to learn how this process works, which was cool. Um, but he also shared next door was the stunt coordinator's office. And it was Artie Maleshi and Artie just saw me for the last few weeks, came up, we started talking and asked me, hey, have you ever done stunts? And I said, well, here's my background, you know, went through the list of, you know, martial arts, four-wheelers, dirt bikes, military, weapons, but I've never gotten paid for it. And he asked, are you interested? Well, sure. Well, he put me in, and if you remember the movie in the beginning, there's a bunch of Russians meeting with Aryans. And the Russian that I got to double was Pavel Lynchnikov, who's done a lot of work since. And I got picked by Michael Mann. Nope, I was approved, good to go. So it was that one night for that one stunt because I went down to work in casting that got me into the union. That was my task. And it was that one night where I saw my first $2,000 check for one day. I said, okay, I'm doing this. And But that was a blast, Danny. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, got to work on it the entire shoot. Got to hang out with Colin and Jamie and meet everybody that was on air. Working with Michael Mann was an education on its own when it comes to being of somebody of that caliber and the process that he puts his actors through. That was a very good experience. Yeah, he's such a good director. Um, but yeah, I guess I could say I've seen you do stunts that time back in 2006 when I saw you chase that guy who ran out on his tab at the restaurant we worked at and i saw and you tackled him <laughs> oh man you remember oh my god i forgot about and the funny thing was the manager looked at me and said adam go like go get him <laughs> yeah I was, yeah we were running down darted across the four-lane highway just to get a guy because he ran out on his tab yep yeah. his i still remember it was like 72 boxes tab it was, and this was in 06, long before the inflation rose and everything. And it was like a $75 tab. And the whole restaurant staff, including you, just stormed out chasing the guy. You chased them all the way from one end of the complex to another, finally caught him, tackled him. <laughs> You're like, yo, get back and pay your tab. And it wasn't even my tab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 
That that was nuts. I remember the cops came in everything. <laughs> and but but yet yeah, I could say I've seen you do stunt work when I saw you when I saw you do that. I'm just like, wow, damn Adam's a badass. That's funny, man. You got a good memory. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I don't forget anything. <laughs> Um, you did tell me that back when you were growing up in Jersey, there were incidents where you, you used to have to dodge people with a knife. Yeah. I mean, where I grew up, yeah, it's known as the Ville. Um, there was uh, quite a few times and I was usually the shortest, the smallest and the whitest person there. So there was a lot of times that, uh, had to be quick, you know, I had to dodge encounters and, but it's one of those things that you learn in life, which is why I think to this day I appreciate the blade. I actually teach it. I teach Filipino martial arts. I go to Philippines to learn as much as I can. Um, everything happens for a reason, but yeah, that was true. Growing up sometimes it was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, I remember you told me some pretty intense stories, and you told me that afterwards you were in the military as a result. Yeah. You know, growing up in South Jersey, what do you do? You know, Hollywood is a dream. So I went into the military, um, went in for infantry airborne. Uh, it was probably one of the best times of my life. Uh, circumstances forced me to get out uh, personally when it came to my kids. And then once you go through certain things and you realize, you know, what you learn, it's like, well, shoot, I can do this. And that's really like what started to get me towards my, all right, I'm going to go for the Hollywood career. Yeah, and um, you became, a few years ago, you became a grandfather, right, regarding your kids? Yes, sir. I have two grandkids right now. In fact, my oldest daughter is coming back home tomorrow, so I'm excited. Oh. Um, with my grandkids, uh, she wants to start a life here in Florida, so doors are always wide open, uh, which is good because, you know, I have three kids and I've always wanted another one, but my wife is like, no, because we're young enough to wear our youngest when she's 18. We're still only 48. But I get to live by Karis now through my grandchildren. So that's that's awesome. But yeah, I, I, I've got a. Uh, I'm I'm going to be a grandfather this summer. Congratulations! There's nothing like it. I, I can't. I'm, I I can't wait. Cause it's going to be. I, it's amazing. Because you can spoil them and you give them back, like they always say. <laughs> but the problem is, I never want to give them back, and I'd rather keep spoiling them. Yeah. I, I, it's gonna. I'm. I'm like so stoked. That's awesome, man! Congratulations! I'm happy for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's it called? I I always tease him about that. I'm like, who knows? Before you know it, I'll be buying you Viagra pills for your next birthday. <laughs> Stocking stuffer, right? Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, congrats on the two grandkids and everything. Um, well, I still remember when that daughter, when your daughter was a little girl, and I still remember when the younger one was was an infant. Yeah, yeah, she's thirteen now. She's a gymnast, a dancer on the top teams, and just got accepted into the, one of the biggest art schools in Orlando. Oh wow! Yeah, she was an infant. I think one of the last times I saw her, that time that. I came over for, and we watched the Academy Awards. Um, yep. 
I still remember you predicted that avid that what's it called the Hurt Locker was gonna win the award that year. Everybody, including myself, kept thinking Avatar was gonna be the big winner, and you said no, it's gonna be the Hurt Locker. Yep, I remember that. You got a female director with an impactful drama. There's no way the Academy's gonna let that one go. And yeah. it was a damn. And what's that? And it was a really good movie. Oh, it was. Every, it's one of those movies. Every time it's on, I don't care where it's at, I'll put it. Yeah, that movie. That movie was pretty intense. Yeah, and and it deserved it too. I mean, what's it called? Avatar is one of those movies that it was groundbreaking when it came out, but it hasn't aged particularly great. I don't think. Well, I'm excited to see what they do because back in 2010, working on the Teen Wolf set there were people from production who were already called to start working on Avatar back then. And that was, that's 11 years ago. So they've been working the special effects for this movie for 11 years. Yeah. Because that's mainly what Avatar had going for it was the special effects, but it wasn't really one of those movies that to this day is considered such a groundbreaking movie that it's really held up. It was more, more like a momentary classic. But it did alter special effects forever. Yeah. So, I mean, look at it like this. Without Avatar, Gemini Man wouldn't have came about. Paul Walker's face would not have been able to be put onto his brother to finish the Fast and the Furious movies. So, because of that alone makes it iconic. Um, but I will always say, if you were born like us, we're 80s kids, Avatar is just Fern Gully on steroids. Yeah, exactly. And I remember Fern Gully, too. I saw that in theaters back when I was seven. Yeah, I would love that twitching bat. Yeah, exactly. I still remember that bat. Um, yeah, I saw that at a friend's eighth birthday party, I remember, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, what's it called? So, yeah, I, I, that was one of the last times I saw your daughter. I can't believe she's 13 now. That's crazy. She was still in yep. diapers back then. <laughs> yeah, seems like yesterday. Exactly. And I remember at New Year's party I went to at your place my back in like 2014, I think it was. That was shortly before I got a car. And oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. You it, rode your bike everywhere. That's the one thing that I loved about you, man. That's why no matter what, if I was in a management position, I was going to bring you with me because you were loyal, you were responsible, you were determined, and you were there no matter what. I remember when you used to show up at the restaurant and they gave you grief because you were five minutes late, but you rode in on your bike in the rain because you couldn't get a ride, but you still made it. And because you were wet, they had a hard time. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, and, I always appreciated your drive, man. And they couldn't understand that either. I remember they used to be like, why are you late? I'm like, oh, because I got drenched on the way over here. Yeah. It's all right. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, at least um, at the gym, they were always so lenient about that. At the gym, it was great that it was a make-your-own-hour. So basically, whenever I was able to get there, they were fine with that. Yep. 
Yeah, I miss the gym. That was such a nice place to work for. I mean, everyone was so humble there. Yeah, that was a good place. That was one of my favorite jobs, just running that gym with James. That was that was a good time. And we were there for when we reopened it. We were there for about eight years total. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then you got me the job at that diner. That diner had really good food. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. If you're going to call yourself a diner, you better have good food. That's, that's it. And it better be quick. Yeah, and it better be... You better pump out good food quick. And it better have, like, a homey feel to it, too. Yep. And a jukebox somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think it has a jukebox plantation diner, does it? No, <laughs> not the new one doesn't. I, re I remember as a kid, and I used to love them. They had, well, in, in the Midwest and the South and stuff where I grew up, they would have the diners, and each table had its own mini jukebox. Yes. Yes, I remember those. Yeah. yeah, it was like your own your own little mini jukebox in the booth. Yep, and you could play it one song at a time. Yep, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think Johnny Rocket still has them on their tables. They just don't work like that. They just don't work. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think they do. Yeah, exactly. You're right about that. Um, but yeah, and what I forget what year did you move to Orlando? I moved up here in 2016, um, October 2016. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you like being in Orlando? Comparatively, from down there to up here, I like the change. It's um, I'm literally five minutes right outside of Disney's gates on Disney's road. I live in a resort community, so I've got a water park, a bar, a gym, everything here that I need. But the biggest thing is it's not as crowded, even though it's starting to get built up. And human interaction up here is a lot more, how do I put it? I don't want to say laid back, more congenial than down there in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Oh, really? So you like it better? I do. I like it better up here. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certain aspects that I miss about down there. I'm farther from the beach. I miss being 15 minutes from the beach. Um, I miss certain hangouts, but it's like asking somebody this. Um, do you miss your, your hometown? Well, yes, I do. I would love to go back to my hometown, but I would never go back to my hometown because I know it's no longer the same as the way I remember it. So coming up here in the last five years, just seeing the change that goes on up here and with people, yeah, I love it up here. But there are certain aspects that I miss in Fort Lauderdale. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, and I would imagine that there's still a lot of similarities between the two. Like I heard that, what's it called? Orlando's not too much different from down here, is it? It's not too much different in the aspect of, A, the weather is just about the same, and it's the city. It's just the different types of crowds. Um, literally, the locals in Orlando who are local, they still open doors for you. They still talk to you. They smile. They say, hey, how are you? Whereas down in Fort Lauderdale... You have certain people like that, but if you notice everybody's head is down or everybody's trying to showboat, you know, it's just a different aspect. But it's like any other city if you're going to Orlando to where it is like Miami, it's just a different vibe. Yeah, that's true. Um, I did hear that it feels more like the Midwest and the Northeast, like down here feels more like the Northeast. 
Yeah, because everybody's coming down from New York, New Jersey, and Canada. Yeah, exactly. And I heard up there it feels more like the Midwest. It feels more like Chicago and those in Ohio and those places. And I haven't been to those much, so I can't compare that. But I understand if if it's like the differences that I mentioned, I can understand that. Yeah. I meant more along the lines of the people. It's a lot of people coming from like Ohio and Chicago out up there. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of vacation homes and a lot of them have, you know, Illinois on their plates. Yeah. So you live in Orlando? Yeah, I'm in Orlando. Now, Actually like Kissimmee, Orlando border area, but yeah, I'm literally just think Disney. Yeah. I was I was in Orlando for uh, 9/11. Oh wow. Like yeah. you were living here or you were visiting? No, no, I was I was I was there doing some uh, work and it happened and I was stuck and I was stuck there for like three or four days. Oh wow. I mean, it sucks that that happened, but it also, you know, you could have been stuck somewhere worse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was actually I was I was a server at the alehouse going into my shift right as the buildings were hit. I'll never, yeah, it's one of those things where people are like, where were you in 9-11? You know, I'm assuming your wife was calling because of what just happened. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, all right, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, she was a very, a very, his aunt was a very, very sweet lady and just said it so nonchalant. Like, your wife's on the phone, I'm sorry to wake you up, and, and also, someone flew a plane into the World Trade Center. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more to come. I'll be right back. Yeah, exactly. It's like don't it's like don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these special messages from Danny. Yeah, there's a cliffhanger for you. <laughs> yeah, oh god, this one comic on the scene down here, he has this really fucked up joke about he says, "You ever listen to a song that reminds you of a time and a place?" Well, the song It's Raining Men always reminds me of 9/11. It's funny. Uh, that's that's rough. That's yeah. definitely a rough one. And in my opinion, comedy it's never too soon. Um, but hey, that's that's kind of true. I do remember when when that happened. Uh, we used to go hang out at certain places, especially like the Ale House, and play pool. And I would put on the jukebox, and I would always play it in this order: New York, New York. And then right after, because of what happened, I would play Bombs Ever Back. <laughs> Yeah, well, and in comedy, if it's not too soon, it becomes too late. Like, um, I was told that this one joke I used last night is already too dated. Or this, this one where I'm like, what's it called? Yeah, I'm really broke right now. I said, I'm so broke that um, the only chick I would fuck without rubber right now would be Casey Anthony. Because I can't afford children. And somebody not somebody heckled that. Well, well, they told me afterwards they're like, "You got to come up with a more recent child murderer than her." They said like, "Um, that she's no longer relevant. You got to come up with somebody who's more relevant." And I said, "What child murderer is famous? What 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 other child murderer yeah. got famous Which off of famous? it?" Okay, not a problem. What's your aunt's name again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to flip it on them, right? Always flip it on them. 
Yeah. Or, or it's too old means no, you just forgot that you forgot how to laugh. That's all. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I was told I needed to update that one, and I have this other old reference that I used to use a few years ago where I, if the crowd's not buying something, I'll be like, wow, I haven't walked into a room this lifeless since the time I walked in on Terry Shivo. Oh, man. You know what? I wouldn't change anything, because you know what? It's your comedy, and if they think it's too old, then that means you're going to resonate with somebody who's older. So your comedy is going to affect more people. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I still remember that whole Terry Schiavo incident, how ridiculous it was, the huge deal they made out of it. I'm like, the well, if you're unable to move around, if you can't even talk, you can't even wink or anything, you're already dead. <laughs> true yeah i mean what do you think do you think that they should have um gotten her off of the life support sooner or should have kept her alive like that well let me put it this way when it comes to to opinions like that i stay out of it not to draw up too much controversy because who knows who's listening to what and whoever nowadays gets offended i think it never should have been a media spectacle no, that's a family's decision. That's it, and that's how it should have been. The media gets involved too much. The media uses persuasion. I think a lot of the things that we worry about on the on media and social media, I think it should be irrelevant. It shouldn't even be an issue. It shouldn't even be a topic. Oh, God, yeah, that's what I hate. One thing I learned the last couple of years about social media is that if you have any sort of opinion or any sort of personal view whatsoever do not post it because people will um, see something that they personally disagree with and they will turn it into like a war or they'll turn it in and they will not let up. And it, it, it just leads to trouble all because you wanted to express how you personally felt. That's one thing I learned is that nowadays People can't accept the fact that everybody that everybody has their own personal opinion or view. True, and what I think is sad is nowadays, you know, being an '80s child, that the morals have changed, the rules to life have changed. But when did they shift, and who are they shifting for? Like in all sincerity, what happened to sticks and stones may break my bones? Why is everybody so offended now? Why is everybody so insulted now? And why does everybody want to press a lawsuit now when it's just worked? Um, when it comes to family's decisions or when it comes down to something tragic, I think media and social media need to stay out of it unless it affects people globally or if it affects a certain market economically. But to bring up certain things and make things personal just to deter you from what's really going on, I think that needs to be uh, taken a step back. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think it's, it's, and it's like you've almost got to remember it's uh the news has 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 become a a, a channel it's a uh you know it's it's become entertainment it's we've lost actual news i so agree it's you know i agree 100 i mean think about the people that we used to watch growing up danny right yeah. walter cronkite connie tongue they never gave emotion they gave facts they gave it yeah. stern and then it was over yeah. they allowed the american people to make up their own opinion not the case anymore. Nope, not at all. Yeah.
this other joke of mine I use, I talk about how whoever invented TikTok is responsible for more retardation than anyone else in the country. Uh, no, I didn't hear that one, but I would kind of like sign that addendum. As who? I think that's I think that's a true statement. Yeah, that... I agree. Because I mean, people they just nowadays they want to be famous, and I never got famous, but it paid my bills. I didn't have to worry, and I did what I love. But I also respect the process that I had to go through to appreciate what I got. As opposed to, oh, this person made a quick TikTok video, now they're viral, now they're famous. Well, you didn't do anything special, you didn't work for it, you didn't earn it. And that's the problem I think nowadays is people forget how to earn it, they're all self-entitled. Yeah, they use TikTok pretty much as like American Idol or America's Got Talent. They think that by making, and I blame YouTube for starting that, YouTube was the original TikTok and Luckily, at least with YouTube, more people are using it for more professional reasons and not just to make really stupid homemade videos like they're doing with TikTok. And they're using it for to conduct actual business now with TikTok. It's for, a, just like with Snapchat, it's a bunch of people who can't accept the fact they're not 12 years old anymore and they want to feel like a kid again. That's true. But what I do now and the way that my mindset and my, my mindset and my identity has shifted is learning what I know now, just in life in general, is with TikTok and YouTube and everything you were just mentioning, I agree with you 100%. But then look at the aspect of TikTok is an outlet for introverts. Um, YouTube is an outlet for those who might be shy, who have a talent but don't want to put it out. So when it comes to that part of social media, I think it's the, one of the most beneficial parts is to where people who would normally not put themselves out there are willing to put themselves out there. And if they're willing to take the critique from it, that's only going to build their character. However, in that same aspect, I do not believe that it should be a lifestyle and that everyone's children should be always like, I'm tired of walking through just Disney alone or the stores and how many kids are two years old and they got a phone in front. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely taken away from uh, a generation's ability to focus. They're used to getting such bite-sized information. It's like, uh, it's got, it's got to make, uh, you know, going, going through school and listening to someone give a lecture for 45 minutes difficult to even comprehend yeah and now all of a sudden there's so many you know add adhd and they want to prescribe ritalin and adderall it's like well you raised your kid on social media for the last 10 years yeah it's tough yeah it's definitely a different era like bring me back to 80s any day yeah exactly well and what's it called it almost like i was saying a, a year ago on a previous episode it almost feels like the PC era and everything has made things less PC and has made us take a steps backwards and where we were back in like the late 80s and throughout the 90s. For some reason, it feels like the 90s was a more overall like forward thinking error than today, that today with the PC era, it's made people focus so much more on one another's differences 
of each other and so much on just like the on all the things that we shouldn't be putting so much emphasis on like back in the 90s it felt felt like we didn't think so much about racism and we didn't put much emphasis on it and as a result people were less concerned about one another's race than they are now yeah, that's, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. No, I agree. And if you want to go back, it's funny because people start comparing what's going on nowadays to the movie Idiocracy. To the mo- Idiocracy, you said? There's a movie called Idiocracy where the guy wakes up in the future, but everyone, is it's, they rely on, it's literally, watch the movie, Idiocracy. It's literally what's going on in the world today, where advertisements run everything, the government is completely backwards. But if we're going to talk about 80s and 90s and being those kids... Everything that you talked about, Danny, is actually... Do you guys remember the movie PCU? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything that they were fighting against because of all the different groups and the challenges is exactly what's going on nowadays. Yeah. That was a funny movie. That was a hilarious movie. That's the first first thing I saw Jeremy Piven in that I loved. And when I saw I'm sorry, gold, that was it. He he was on point. But, yeah. yeah. Wasn't the P-Punk was in that movie? Yep. But yeah, like it feels like one of the reasons that stuff like racism and homophobia is so out of control nowadays is because nowadays the media and everything makes us focus so much on the difference in people's races or people's orientations that it just like rubs it in our face so much that it's impossible not to think about as opposed to back in like the 90s where my friends and I, we weren't thinking about, okay, is it my black friends that I'm hanging out with or are they hanging out with their white friends? It was just people hanging out with their friends. Yeah, that's it. I agree. I think the the one, the the nice, I think the nice thing about the you know, sort of the way things are, is that uh, today, is that at least things are talked about. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not, nothing is really sort of brushed under the table. It may be over-exaggerated and, and, and over-saturated and, and especially in, when it comes to media that they make a, a big, uh, a bigger deal out of it, but at least the conversation's being had. You know? That is true, and it's up to the individual to be responsible to filter out what they think is true, and then go make sure it is true before they comment on it. Yeah, it's uh, at least people feel the sort of you know there's a, there's enough outlets uh, to be had that that people are comfortable talking about whatever it is that they're that they want to you know how whatever they're going through is feeling. So that's nice. Right. I agree, and like like what did Uncle Ben tell Spider Man, right? Because we're talking about movies and eighties and everything else, right? What does he say? With um, great uh, power becomes great power responsibility. responsibility. Right. So yeah. If you have the power to have social media in the palm of your hand, then you have the responsibility to make sure whatever you're going to emotionally react to, you've already looked it up. Yeah, exactly. And that you're going to use it for good. You're not going to use it to create any sort of problems for others. And that you're actually going to use it for the purpose it's meant to be used for. And believe me, the powers that be are doing that exact thing. Yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, you've been on the scene for a long time now, since at least 2005, right? So that's like six, that's 17 years now. Yeah, and that's just when I made it into the union. I started off in 99. Oh, damn. Yeah, I was only 14 back in 99. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, you hear people, overnight celebrity. No, I'm, I'm a walking proof that I never became a celebrity, but it took me... And Danny, I don't know if you ever had this um, this advice when you were starting off in Hollywood, um, but I was told from the moment you start, it's going to take 10 years. And I started in the end of 99 and 2000. And what I was told by the president of the acting school was, and I went to Wees Barron Performing Arts, was 10 years doesn't mean celebrity. 10 years means you've made it a career that pays your bills. So literally, I started right around 2000, end of 99, 2000, and in the end of 2009, 2010 is when I was able to literally go full-time, quit every other job, and never look back. I wasn't rich, I wasn't famous, but it was paying my bills. Yeah. So everything I've learned happens in tens, and that was one of the first things I remember starting off in the business was, it's going to take you 10 years. So I gave myself, all right, in 10 years, we'll see where I'm at. In the 10 years... It was nothing big, but I, I was doubling one of the lead kids on Teen Wolf. Producer liked me, um, gave me a character for five episodes in the first season. I continued to double him, the one kid in the second season. And then after that, everything started lining up. So it was literally 10 years for me. That's, I mean, I, I have, I had a weird sort of, I got into it in a weird, it's, I was kind of one of those that was, in the right place at the right time and just sort of, you know, I came to LA doing music in 1984 and uh, I was supposed to be here for like two weeks. And by the end of that two weeks, I was a regular on a, on a primetime sitcom. So it was just sort of like uh, a world, a world change uh, on one Friday evening in 1984. And, 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 you know, Nothing was ever the same after that. Yeah, and um, he moved from, he went fr from one of the most boring places in America to L.A. Um, he came from Oklahoma. Gotcha. So, yeah. but in, so in all reality, you had the Johnny Depp effect. You got into it for music, and then boom, acting landed on your lap, and that's what took off. Yeah. It was, it was like a, I went into acting, but boom, stunts landed on my lap. Yeah. I mean, and I think, and I think that's, 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 it, that story sort of happens in, in one shape, form, or another. It's that, it's that, you know, in the right place, and this thing happens, and, you know, everything happens for a reason, and every little thing that you do uh, might end up being something bigger and better down the road, you know? That's true. That one person that you become friends with, or that you meet there, that then remembers you five years down the line for something else, you know? You never know how things like that, just, uh, you know, as and not just in the entertainment, but just in any in life. It's sort of, you know, this this thing leads to that thing. That's you know what? You couldn't hit the nail more on the head than from that one statement, because I thought this is, you know, being in entertainment. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm meant to do. Again, the 15, 20 years of steady doing it. When coronavirus hit and shut everything down. Now it's like, uh oh, what? And I got into something now that I make more money doing now part-time what I do than what I was doing in Hollywood. And it never would have happened if 
coronavirus didn't shut down. I wasn't in my gym here. I didn't meet my senior partner where everything, literally, you're the right place at the right time. You hit it right on the head. Yeah. So do you still, now, you say you live in Orlando. Um, do you still do, like, some stuff? Or are you still involved in all that and doing stuff in that respect, too? Because yeah. you can be pretty much anywhere and still <laughs> everything's remote in a, in a certain way. So that is absolutely true. So right now, what I do now to make my money is because I can do it on Zoom. I can do it anywhere. And all I do is I literally just give you a rundown real quick is I educate people, the 95% of the world, on what the 5% elite have been doing to never lose money when the market drops and how to earn tax-free bulletproof retirements. You can access anytime you want. Right. But because of Zoom, I have business all over the country and a team in Hawaii. So when it comes to that, which has now taken over more, now it's given me financial freedom. I can go wherever I want, whenever I want. Now, Hollywood, where it was my career, and there was times I still had to submit. I still had to do headshots. I still had to kind of grind. With this, now that it's my income and I'm educating and helping families, now I get to do everything for fun when it comes to Hollywood. Nice. So I still do special effects. I still do stunt work. And being in Florida, I work a lot in Telemundo, um, down in Miami. I know the main stunt coordinator. I've been building a relationship with him for the last 15 years. Um, one of the major last studio projects I did prior to coronavirus shutting everything down was I got to work on Bad Boys 3, got the stunt double Will Smith's son when it came to motorcycle riding. If you haven't seen that movie, I'm sorry for the spoiler that I just dropped. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm still now that it's I don't have to chase it. Now, when the calls come, I can pick what I want to do. Nice. But yeah, I'm still in it. And it's one of those things. I'll never leave it. I still train actors. I still train police. I still train military um, when it comes to weapons, choreography, fighting. Um, so I'm always going to have something in it. You know, I do have a YouTube channel where I created stuff. I do have an Instagram where I'm creating, whether it be martial arts or I'm still creating and giving financial literacy information. So one way or another, and I think it, it comes down to a lot of us, when I say us, those who've been in the business, been in the industry, who know what the grind has been like, that social media has still given us an outlet to where if we can't be on a set or we can't do this, we can always go create and still be there. Yeah. Just like this podcast, same exact concept. We're all in the entertainment business. We all like talking about it. We all like hearing from one another. And what's here? Boom, a podcast. It allows us an outlet. I think it's, it's not, I, I think it's, it's, while there's not necessarily money to be made, it's, it's, it's turned that way in the music business, music wise as well. You know, you can't turn on the radio and hear something that's, you know, decent for the most part. But if you dig deep enough, there's enough there, you know, you, you'll find some really interesting, really good stuff. Because sure. there's, there's so many out, you know, the outlets are there. Absolutely. 100%. So it's, you know, it's as, as the, as we get more technologically advanced and there's more stuff, there's, you know, it's, it's like with anything, there's pros and cons to it all. That's it. And you know what? It's a lot of shit to get, to find, to find the nugget, but you know. That's it. But you just said a nugget and we use that in the financial world. That's, that's amazing. You're already headed the game. It's up to you to find the nugget in something and run with that. Forget everything right. else and find the nugget. Yeah, I always find the nugget whenever I'm blazing up. 
gotta get that right nugget, man. That's exactly. I don't want that reg nugget. I want that high grade nugget. A good yeah, nugget. but if we're talking eighties, if we're talking eighties, you want that dank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want that dank. I want that cush. Yeah, that dank cush from the eighties. If we're talking eighties, you gotta seed it first. That's you it. Get you gotta get them seeds out. Make sure you get the right ones too. Exactly. No seeds, no stems. Jersey rags. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, oh, so you got you got to come out here to California. We got they deliver. It's like it's you know it's like a, oh man, I was out there for four years. Off like, and on. It's like, Uber, it's like Uber Eats out here, Dan. Oh I, I, yeah, Dan, he ain't kidding. That in New York because they first time I ever had it delivered to me was in New York in like two thousand seven, two thousand six. Oh shit! So, you but, ever watched? Um, you guys ever seen the movie How High? No, yeah, of course. Um, um, half baked. Of course, yeah. Who? Yeah, ha- that's a classic. In New York, man, they did that in 2006. Oh shit! You could do that back in 06, there. Yeah, it was it was an underground number, an underground company back then. But yeah, they had a dude showed up. He had to he had him in uh like rectangular clear blocks. What do you want? It's 60 for each, and gave us the rundown on each one. Yeah, he literally they literally showed up like that in 2006. Oh damn! Yeah, I didn't even know that. Um, what's it called? Um, but yeah, I I am planning a trip potentially by the end of the year to L.A. I I've been saying that all year so far that I want to plan a trip out there, visit Danny, and possibly try some of the comedy rooms down here. Test my luck with that. Hey, even I did the one minute on the comedy store stage. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to potentially, one of my good friends from college is a music producer in LA, and I want, he's going to help me record a comedy album if I make it out there. Nice. Danny, where are you at in California? Uh, I'm in San Juan Capistrano. I'm sort of, I'm in Orange County. I moved out here uh, like about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years yeah. ago. Nice. And so, uh, but I'm not, like, I'm an hour, you know. It's gotcha. oddly enough, when I lived in the San Fernando Valley and I had to go into Hollywood, it would take me about 45 minutes. That's and really, 45 now minutes I'm, anywhere. Now, I, and now I'm really, I'm only about an hour and 15 away. So it's yeah. it's really, I'm, I'm only, it's about a half hour difference. Because you're in La Juan or Carmageddon, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, listen, it's, a, it's, it's only about a half hour longer than what it would take me if I lived 10 miles away. Right. Yeah, I was in West Hollywood, Brentwood, and Studio City for like four years. Yeah. Yep. You know, in the thick of it. But, yeah, Santa Clarita, I think, was one of my favorite spots. And, you know, Manhattan Beach and all the beaches were nice. But after that, it was like, my family's here. I'm going back East Coast. Because I, I, I mean, my family was here, and I was out there by myself. It's, a, it's quite a sprawling metropolis. It is, and that's why when I tell people if you're going out to live, you need a car. It's not New York. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not New York. We have the worst public transportation ever. Yeah, exactly. But, it's like non-existent there. Yeah. But I, mean, I well, feel like the fact that the police will not bother with any kind of accident unless somebody's really hurt. Because they don't have time for it and there's too much traffic. Yeah. This is true. And no left turns. I love it. It's universal. It's universally known in California that if the when the light turns red, five cars are still going to make a left. Oh yeah. yeah you don't want to jump out in that intersection. <laughs> you know, you better slow your roll. Yeah, you learn that quick coming from the East Coast. 
Yeah. And then sometimes when I came back, I would forget that I'm back on the East Coast and I can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they will run you over. Yes, they will. <laughs> or a cop will get you here. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I had to. I, I, I drove once in New York City and it was not fun. It was not. It was just not a pleasant experience at all. Oh God, driving in New York City is a nightmare. It's. It's not. It was not fun. Just go with the flow. That's why I think California didn't bother me because I knew how to drive in New York. Yeah, California if you can drive in New like, York, you can just like you're bulldogging everybody. Yeah, you're yeah. basically an expert then. <laughs> but then you learn in New York when you're in New York, you don't need a car. Just take the subways or walk. Yeah, it's jerk. so funny. I always laugh. It's 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 like. Being in California, it's like right now there is a, 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 a convenience store that is, in reality, if, it, if I was in New York, I would walk to that convenience store. It's not that far away. But here, there's no way. And, you know, you're not in Los Angeles. Don't go, well, it's only, you know, 15 blocks. We'll walk. You know, in New York, you're like, what is it? Like, what is it? Like 17 blocks? We'll just walk it. 17 blocks is not even two miles. We got this. Yeah. Not a problem at all. Not yep. not even close. You would never do that. Just it wouldn't even come into your, it wouldn't even enter your mind. Hey, that's how it is here in Florida. I'm like, what the hell? I want to. Why? What? What the hell? I want to walk there for when I can drive? Yeah. Listen, I'm not walking. Yeah, I know. If a parking lot's big enough, and I find out where I need to be is on all the way on the end of the other of the parking lot, and um, I've already parked my car. I'll be like, all right, time to get back into the car and drive over to that side of the complex. You know, oddly enough, I am one of, I'm, I'm a back of the parking lot parker. Gotcha. I got if I go to the mall or something, I'll park towards the back and then walk up. I'm not one that like drives up and down the aisle looking for the closest spot. Nope. Just, what I do is, if I'm turning down an aisle, I look for the closest spot. If it's not there, I just go to the back and I walk it. Not to mention, yeah. I love my car. I don't need you hitting my car. It's just, it's the, the whole waiting for someone to like back out of the spot, and I, I just, it drives me crazy. I'll just park yeah. in the back. Because by the time you waited, you would have been in the store. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, hey, I don't have a hernia just yet. I don't mind making the extra, the walking an extra two hundred feet. But California, Danny, you don't have the problem of all the rain and thunderstorms that we have in Florida. So you might want to look for that closer spot. Yeah, well, that's true. This is true. You know, hurricanes coming through. You want to hurry up. You don't want the wind to take you. <laughs> Maryland calls me. My mom lives in Florida. My dad goes, hey, you all right? Dad, we're good. Okay, we got hurricane house. We got hurricane shutters. We got hurricane everything. We're having a party. What are you we're doing? doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never, never done the hurricane thing, but done the earthquake thing. Done the tornado thing, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, I've never done the hurricane thing. I, I'll personally, I'll take a tornado over earthquake any day. Any I day haven't done the tornado thing, but I did have. Well, I don't even call it. It was like a, a three point one in California, so it shook for twenty seconds, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't I, do I, earthquakes I in, I either. Northridge, I lived in Northridge during the Northridge quake, and that was like a life changer. That was that. I, like, I, there's that sucked really bad. Yeah, earthquakes are the worst because you don't feel you, you have no like warning that they're coming. Yeah, there's not really a safe place to go necessarily. At least a tornado, you know, you can if you make your you, you know make it a man cave down there, uh -huh. and you're in the in the storm room, and uh, you know you're good to go. 
but we're in Florida. We don't have basements because we yeah, flood. Yeah, we. Well, I'm in California. We don't have basements. <laughs> right. A basement in California is a bad idea. <laughs> you go in, you might not come out. That's true, and that's just in <laughs> a normal daily. <laughs> yeah, you make oh. a basement in Florida, and you're getting sucked up by the sinkhole. That's it. Oh, mercy, that's funny. Well, it's like no matter where you go, there's something everywhere. That's true. That is absolutely true. And that's and, why and it's the, one of those take the nugget from the spot, from the situation. <laughs> and the places and the places that don't have anything, uh, you, you, that's there's a reason why nobody's there. Yeah, exactly. True. But then they move to where we have things, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, the people who move from like Oklahoma, right? Although it's funny, it's after after the earthquake, the big earthquake in the nineties, there was a lot of people from the Midwest that were like, No, this earthquake was crazy. I'm moving back home. You know, and then they get like, you know, the F five tornado that comes through. It's like I'm right. going back to the coast. Now they're like, Screw this, I'm going to Florida. Next thing you yeah. know, F five hurricane. Hurricane. <laughs> you know the grass I'm is going all, up to New York is always the blizzard of two thousand twenty two. The grass is always greener somewhere else. That's true. Exactly. Well, that's not the case in Oklahoma. Their grass is always nasty and brown. Well, there's a couple of times. There's a few times during the year it's nice. Yeah. It depends who has the sprinklers on. Yeah. Oh, they take they they take great. They're 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 very lawn care friendly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but yeah, what's it called? One of my jokes, I talk about how Native Americans got it the worst because when they got deported, they got deported to a place that was even worse than Section 8, a place called Oklahoma. Well, hey, now, we're, now come on now. <laughs> hey, that's one of those, <laughs> hey, Danny, is that too soon? That's too soon. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my home state. You, you can be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't make me don't make me talk about Philly. Oh, you can talk about Philly. Hey, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. our home team. Yeah, exactly. That's his home team. He's from South Jersey, so um Adam's loyal to the Philly boys to the oh, Okay. Adam is literally eighteen minutes from Philly, thirty minutes from Atlantic City. All right, nice. So I had the best of both worlds, city world, casino world, and then I grew up in a place in South Jersey where it was like all farms. So I had dirt bikes, four-wheelers growing yeah, up, yeah. and I still had the city life when I needed And I was right. 40 minutes from down the shore. Wildwood. Oh, shit. Yep, that's it. I just realized, are we making you miss your appointment? No, I already pushed it to 3.30 just in case. All right, yeah. I guess another, um, you want to do like another 10 minutes? Yeah, because I, I got to I gotta take off soon, too. What are you taking off? Uh, oh. Just every everything. <laughs> yeah. you, sexy, you sexy beast. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, let me get a picture of that and <laughs> tag me on it. <laughs> That's funny. That's wild. Yeah, no, it's so... So you got, uh, I, I recently, within the last couple of years, went to Atlantic City. I've, okay. been, there, I've been there a few times. Um, it's quite the experience there in Atlantic City. Um, it is. You get, the, you get the feeling of the ghetto and Vegas all at the same time. Uh, well, I don't know about Vegas. I mean, even though there's casinos, 
No, what I'm saying is you just did that that casino feel like Vegas and the ghetto yeah. all at the same time. It's it's it was it's amazing that they've that Monopoly was created at at, at that city because it's you know it's it was it's you know if you venture off the boardwalk, it's a whole other world going on out there. Yeah, it's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I grew up there for like 25 years. Oh, yeah. that was, that was, was like the, number the one bank waitress for Bally's Casino. Yeah. So she always had those events going on. We we're always in Atlantic City. And then as I got older, I got to experience Atlantic City. And then at the last six months of my acting school, I transferred to the Weiss Parent in Atlantic City. It's definitely an experience. Yeah, it's a it's a trip. It's a trip. I uh, I was I was there for a like a convention. And went and like checked in and then came downstairs and I was like, um, like wandering around. I'm like, can you, can you like, you know, a hotel work? I was like, can you tell me where the, uh, where's it, which, which way to casino? And they were like, oh, um, we're not allowed to have a casino. <laughs> we're not allowed to have a casino at this casino. And I'm like, oh, hmm, okay. Um, so it's, you're not a casino. You're just a hotel. No, no, we are a casino, but we're just not allowed to have one right now. I was like, okay. So, what did you guys do illegal? <laughs> yeah, I just—I'm sure it was on the up and up, you know, is a remodel. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. So did you get to go to a casino? Oh yeah, oh no, there was we. I went to several. Which one did you go? What one was your favorite? Uh, let's see. I like. I mean, I think the Hard Rock was all right. I thought that was fun. Uh, to be honest with you, I can't really. There was what? There was a brand new one that was like huge and big and down on the corner. The Brigada? No, it wasn't the Brigada because we were right. That was that was further away. Um, I can't remember what the name of what. That was nice. It was you know, it was a casino. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're down by Harlock, so you were down by Showboat. Yes, I was staying at the Showboat. The Showboat was the one that didn't have a casino. Yeah, that's crazy. The Showboat is like the first casino ever in Atlantic City. Is that is that really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not quoting you on it because I don't want to get sued by somebody that works for Showbo, but yeah, I yeah. know that it's one of the oldest ones in Atlantic City. The fact that I, they did not have a casino kind of yeah. throws me off. Yeah, they did. They did. There was not a casino at, at, at that. There was not a casino at that casino. Wow. <laughs> they had a good buffet, though, I bet you. Yeah. Uh, didn't, I, you know what? I don't think I got, I got the buffet. Well, they probably made you pay for it because they didn't have a casino you could spend your money in. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't giving it away. <laughs> Usually, if you're playing at the casino, your buffet is 99 cents. Oh, no casino, you're paying 50 bucks. I, you know what? I love a good, I love a good buffet. Yep, I agree. And casinos, buffet, especially in a casino. Yeah. And casinos are like the only thing that Oklahoma really has in terms of things to do for entertainment, right? <laughs> well, we've also got an NBA. There's an NBA team there now, Dan. We've really progressed in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Oh wow. Yeah, it's I'm... not all Indian reservation now. Yeah, the Seminoles yeah. have their own basketball team. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, I'm gonna kill this guy. He keeps bashing my hometown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dan, Jesus. <laughs> it's competition, not competitive. There's a difference. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, the things he's going to say about Philly are next session. I can't wait to hear Everything him. he's going to say is going to be true, so. I know. That's the <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like, yeah, one of the, it, it is such a dirty city. 
Philly the place where if you walk into an Eagles game wearing a Cowboys jersey, that those will be your last moments on this earth? That's true. But you have a better chance walking in with a Giants jersey on. Yeah, exactly. Was it when the Eagles were, you know, in the Super Bowl a few years ago or whenever whenever that was, I had a When we got our bragging moment, is that what you're talking yeah, about? When we yeah, won? yeah, that, 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 that moment. Because we made it every year just about and then screwed it up, but we finally won one. But I, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, you know, what, what, like, what are you guys going to, what are you guys going to do if you, if you, if you lose this game? He's like, we're going to break shit. And I was like, what are you going to do if you win? He's like, we're going to break shit. We're breaking shit no matter what. We're here. Whether win, lose, or draw, we're breaking shit in this city. I'm like, yes. right. yeah. That is like, yeah. You know what? That's funny. That, yes. That is probably 100% true. Just like the time when I was in England, my cousin, we went to a Manchester United game versus Chelsea. And they said the same thing. If we lose, we're breaking people, we're breaking shit. And if we yeah. win, we're doing the same thing. Same thing. I love that this sports has, what was it? It was years ago. I think it was like the Vancouver Canucks won the Stanley Cup. And and the, they went crazy in Vancouver. And we're like turning over cars. And like, they just like, I was like, wow. I mean, really, you know, your sports is like really just, it's it's hitting you yeah. somewhere deep. If Canadians are breaking shit. You're yeah. expecting to see that they lost and they're doing this because they won. <laughs> yeah. Either way, I mean, Canadians are just in general so nice. <laughs> sorry, people eh? ugly. I'm sorry, I flipped the car over yeah. because we won, eh? Yeah. And if anybody who's listening is offended, I am Polish. I've heard every joke out there, and I love a good joke. You were the original. Uh, what is the original? I was the original one arm Polak in a tree raking leaves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's now. There's something you don't see in comedy anymore. Is is the Polish joke? That's right. Really sort of, yeah, they got me out of that tree, right? He waved to me. I thought he was <laughs> those those used when I was a kid. There's like like those were like, you know, the Polish jokes. That's it. I mean, literally growing up my entire life, I knew Polish and black jokes. I didn't know anything else. <laughs> That's funny. So I would tell a good black joke. Because you know what? I promise you, if you don't know a good Polish joke, I'll teach you one. So when somebody like me comes around, you can tell us that. You can tell you can tell it. Oh, that's too funny. Well, all right, you guys. You have a freaking good one. I'm gonna go. I appreciate you, Danny Squared. Or right, Double D. Nice. Oh, yeah, it Double nice. D. It was nice meeting you. It was nice talking to you and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know. Absolutely. Hey, look forward to the next one. Um, I'll look you. I, I got, I'm with Danny on social media. Um, Florida Danny. Hollywood Danny. Nice. Um, I'll look you up on Instagram. I'm PTK.USA. You can find me, Adam Shushelsky, on Facebook. And my instinct for uh, my IMDb is Adam C. Edwards. And, and Danny, oh. where can where can we find some of your upcoming work? I have I have no clue. I think on any sort of most platforms, it's literally just my name, and and that's oh. and I I think that's it. Yeah, oh, sounds good, man. And we'll look at I, I, I rarely check it and I rarely post, and that's that's what I'm all about these days. So I Please. won't take offense. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not like All the right, offense I skate. You, you too. Um, is it under I'll defend Oklahoma to the death dot com? Yeah, that's right. It's Boomer <laughs> Sooner at, uh, at at Oklahoma dot com. Yeah, Boomer Pride. Yeah, 
Boomer Sooner, baby. Yeah. Boomer Sooner. All right, gentlemen. I appreciate <laughs> you guys. I love this all. I had a great time. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. It was great right, having you on. And this concludes another very special episode of Vanilla Weiss and the Nostalgic Nerds. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Adam and Danny, for joining us. And we shall see you again in the near future. Sounds good. Peace and love. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.